mostly because macro events are fairly unpredictable. I mean, you could guess that something's going to happen, or you can make a correct prediction that something's going to happen based on a, a particular uh, political policy or an economic event, macro-wise. But it's almost impossible to guess when those things are going to uh, materialize within the stock market. So the more micro you can become with your investment approach regarding individual stocks, the better you're going to be. So you get into the cash flow statement, the income statement, balance sheet, all that good stuff. And, and you can really find if your company is good enough to, to weather whatever coming economic storm you think is going to happen. The more that you're micro and doing stuff like that, the better off you're going to be in the long run. Go ahead, Dave. I know you got something to say. I, I do have something to say. See, you guys, you folks at home can't see this, but I'm sitting here. We have a little button that raise your hand, lower your hand, because we're doing a uh, video uh, recording here between us two. So I've been raising my hand this whole time, just anxious. All right. So when you're talking about macro and you're saying that you can't, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to make decisions off macro because you're going to be wrong more than you are right. I would like to uh, disagree with you that completely on that statement. And here's why. As a day trader, I've I day traded a ton in the past. I don't day trade as much anymore as I did in the past. But as a day trader, I completely used the macro events of the day. Now, I wasn't trying to time the whole movement of a said stock from point the lowest point, the bottom to the top. All I wanted was the 5% foam on top. And so when I saw a macro event starting for the beginning of the day of news coming out, heading the wires, heading the Dow Jones news wires, heading the S&P news wires, whatever it was, I would make my move. And yes, I wouldn't get that whole run up, but I would get that nice little 5-10% foam on top. Okay, so I think what you're using is intuition, though, right? Like that's your intuition for a day trade. There's so many people that I see that start shorting stocks because they don't like Joe Biden, or maybe they did it because they didn't like President Trump, uh, or because of certain policies that somebody has. Like maybe you start shorting the stocks because you think that this uh, huge infrastructure bill is going to wreck the entire economy. But like, and that may come true at some point. But first off, it's very hard to predict that. Second of all, it's very hard to very hard to predict the timing of it. You're trading off instant reaction, which is fine, and your institute and intuition. But a lot. Well, first off, a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, so you're talking apple. You're talking apples and oranges here, man. Because yeah, I see what you're saying. You're talking about uh, trade swing trades or even investments. I'm talking about a trade intraday day traded based off the macro event of the day. And you're talking about using macro events to make swing trades or even investments. But even that could be just intuition because how many times have we seen a bad jobs report come out and the stock market react positively to it? Because that means potentially that interest rates are going to remain lower for the foreseeable future. Where as an economist or somebody who's looking at it thinks, well, that's bad, but the stock market takes it as good news. That's your intuition that you're reacting on some of these things, but not like, 
not like, okay, this is actually really bad for the overall economy. This is just how the stocks are going to react today because it's your intuition telling you so. All right, so let me give you an example. Let me date how old and how long I've been day trading or trading stocks. So back in the Great Recession, at the beginning of it, you know, everybody sees the V on the on the on all their stock market graphs during that time, right? So I'm talking about the V on its way down, right? We're not we're not at the bottom yet. We're still on our way down. What would happen is every so often. The Fed would get on TV and they would say, all right, we're going to go ahead and we're going to cut rates again. And they'll do a drastic cut rate, right? Five basis points, maybe 10 basis points today. Who knows? It was, it was, they had lots of room to grow. They were coming down from five and a half. Anyways, they get on there. They do that. They would make that announcement. I would immediately buy AMBAC. <laughs> it would jump 10%. I would sell. I would get out all in like about an hour or maybe hour and a half at a time. And this is back during that time. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a macroeconomic event taking place and I'm doing a quick day trade off of it. Okay. So that could work for you. And, and also if you're going in the, in those, uh, the, the drops, those huge drops, those are often so fun to day trade. Because there's so much volatility associated with them. And then also the, the comebacks. Those are even better sometimes. Right. And you can make money on the way down and the way up. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't always have to be going up for me to make money off of it. Right. Well, I want to kind of push the point a little bit here. We'll talk about a guy who's he's actually a legendary investor. His name's Jim Rogers. He's a terrible short-term trader. And he will tell you he is the world's worst short-term trader. And he learned this the hard way. He, in 1970, he was looking at the economy saying, man, this thing's way overheated. We are like way overdue for a recession. Stocks are overvalued. And what he did is he took six companies that he knew were ripe for a correction and he shorted all six. Then in the coming months, all six of those companies increased in value and completely wiped Jim Rogers out. Within three years, those companies were all bankrupt. So he called the correction in the companies correctly, but he had the timing wrong. So he's kind of a genius in the recession. You know, like I, I, he called that right. He called the fact that these companies were bad companies that were going to go bankrupt. He called all that right, but he still went broke because he didn't have the intuition. And that is the most important part. Right. And this is one of the reasons why banks often don't hire academics to do their trading, because academics often overthink rather than use their own intuition. And that's a big mistake, I think, in investing and trading. You, you should ne you should never overthink it. So the analogy I always use when, I, when I'm trying to teach someone new about how to trade stocks and how to make investment decisions is stop trying to. It's, it's like you're going to line at Starbucks. You want to get the. Two extra shots, triple whip, skinny dip, coconut cream milk, you know, coffee, you know, and I, I'm walking up behind you and, you know, and I'm like, you know, I take the grande black. All right. You know, I just want my simple money. Give me my money. You're trying to outdo the market. You're trying to outthink the market. You're trying to be better than the market. I'm not. I'm not trying to be better market, and, and you shouldn't try to be better market. You should just try to go ahead and ride the market. Right. 
find out, you know, if the, if that wave is moving up, you know, get on your board, take that wave for a little bit of a ride, get that five to ten percent, then hop off and let that wave crash. And this is this is why we've been talking about. I think uh, we've talked about it a little bit on this podcast, but uh, paper trading. You know, I think people should really paper trade until they figure out like how the market moves and how people react because this isn't just about economics and math this is also about psychology if you look at like rationally a company reports great earnings the company should go up right but not always and not even all that often because it's often priced in cisco yeah that's all i have to say is cisco they have burned me more than once I mean, because oftentimes people buy for these great earnings and then they sell on the day, right? Like the sell the news we were talking about a couple episodes ago. So like psychology, intuition, all those things are just as important as knowledge and you shouldn't really be overthinking it. Just get in the, in the mindset of how the market works and how people work yeah. and how people react. Exactly. And keep, keep it simple. You know, stick to what you know. If what you know is automakers and semiconductors stick to that and just trade them over and over and over again and learn learn how they trade learn what news affects them learn what numbers and how their numbers how they report and and what that is because each sector each each individual business has a different way of reporting their numbers and reporting their guidance and so if you stick to the sectors you're studying and the sectors you know then you're going to have success because you're sticking with what you know Warren Buffett has consistently said, man, I'm not going to trade something I don't understand. Right. Because if I don't understand that, I mean, I, I'm, why should I trade it? Yeah. And I completely agree with the guy on that point. I completely so, agree with him. Why am I going to trade something I don't quite understand how it works or how it's going on? Just because, what, some guy on Reddit's making like a million bucks off it? Well, great for him. I'm happy for him. I want more people to make a million bucks. But it's not for me. That's not what I'm going to do. Yeah, you have to trade what you know. I mean, I was thinking about buying Credit Suisse after this Arcajos situation because now they're trading at half their book value. And then I was listening to their earnings on the way home today, and I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, I know nothing about Swiss monetary policy or how the Swiss franc works or anything. It would be absolutely stupid for me to buy this. Now, it may actually wind up going up because it's such a great value, but what am I going to look at? to say this is actually going right. Like, I think I know nothing about Swiss monetary policy, Swiss bonds, nothing like that. So there'd be no good reason for me to actually buy it, even if it is of value. Hold up, Brandon. Were you just saying Swiss bonds? Yeah, I'm sure are they exist. Bonds? Isn't Brandon just, the one who said bonds are dead? They are dead. I'll get into that again <laughs> later today. I have a little rant planned. Um, it, you know what? You do need to be like intuitive about the stocks, right? You have to, and I, I don't think it's enough to be a passive investor if you're buying individual stocks, especially in this market. You know, there's a mythology in the stock market that stocks over time tend to go up, and that's mostly false. Hey, quick question. Do you know how many stocks from the S&P 500 from 1955 still existed in 2017? Oh man, I'm gonna say, uh, uh, I'm, oh, you're you're getting me saying uh and um um. <laughs> let's 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 go with 70. 60. You're close. 60 still exist. So, 88 percent were gone. It's probably a higher number today. 
So buying and just sitting for the rest of your life really shouldn't be an, an, op an option. You really should be paying attention to what you're doing. Let me, uh, let me piggyback on that and give you an example, all right? So Sundial Growers, this company has had, had a big run recently, and it's come back down from its heights. Well, during the big run, I, I had a, an associate acquaintance of mine, if you an acquaintance of mine that uh, bought it, and during the run up, he was he was very excited, and he would he would text myself and my friend and be and be like, "Hi, look at me, guys! I'm doing well in this stock, and you guys are sitting in that one. You're only making very little." And I was like, "Hey, man, that's great! That's great, dude! You should sell, take your profit." He goes, "No, nah, we're going to the moon. We're going to the moon." <laughs> I haven't heard a word from him since it dropped below a buck. The guy has fallen off all radars. I, I think I'm worried about him because now he's probably in, in the red here. And it just goes to show you guys, you got to sell when you're up, take your profit, take some off the table, you know, reinvest in something else. And there's been so many people too that I've seen that have like made terrible decisions and somehow just wound up being lucky. <laughs> I mean... Just because you bought a stock and it went up, that actually does not mean really that it was a good decision. I mean, there's some out there like the FUBU TVs and the Microvisions that like you just get lucky with sometimes. <laughs> I don't know, man. No, 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 no. That was a good call, Microvision. My only thing with Microvision is I believe it is priced where it was at when it was priced that when we had that podcast, it was at 18 a share. And I was saying that's right where it needs to be. I say it does not need to go anymore. Had a great run up. You know, they, he called it. He called it yeah. on that one. Uh, I just, it's time to go look for something else. Our, our, our mutual friend is, he's a uh, host of the Money Vikings podcast, which I recommend everybody to listen to. And he ha he knows way more about the technicals about microvision than I do, but the fundamentals of microvision still do not justify the the market cap even where it's at today in my mind. But you could still probably do it on a decent swing trade if you know what you're doing. But an investment, I don't think it's a good idea. Now we're gonna have to invite him on to be a guest host the next time one of us is off. Yeah, definitely. I agree. <laughs> It'd be an interesting conversation. I hope he doesn't wind up hating me afterwards. All right. Anyways, moving on. Well, well the economy's still heating up. The the uh, the economy's still reopening. We're still going forward with all that. Jobless claims are still declining, but the Fed is still continuing its policy of buying $80 billion of U.S. Treasuries, which is mind-blowing to me. It's absolutely insane. These rates are synthetic. They're not real. Nobody in their right mind would accept an investment that would yield less than inflation. Continuing to buy these treasuries is insane. Insane. Investors should be able to have a safe haven investment. Gold is the closest thing that you get right now to safe haven, but it's subject to global macroeconomic events. The treasury should be where you should be able to put your money to beat inflation, not to put your money and just lose a percent of inflation every year. It's crazy to me. And stocks are usually valued in relation to bonds, right? And we use the 10-year treasury as a benchmark for our valuations of stocks. But this treasury 
rate of 1.57% right now is just so synthetically, insanely low that you can't even use that to value stocks right now. And I think the market is trying to value the stock market right now in comparison to where they think rates should be, but that's hard to guess in this environment. So S&P 500 right now, it seems like they're pricing in 2% on the 10-year yield by the end of the year. That's what it looks like to me. But you have no idea. You don't. And, and with the Fed still not quitting their QE program, still still buying more and more of these bonds, I mean, I just... I'm with you, Brandon. I'm We've learned lucky. nothing! I, I know, I know. But we won't... So, what more can you say, though, to really pound this in and let people know, like, this is ridiculous. They need to quit it. I, I We do need someplace to put our money that is safe and can give us a consistent return time and time again. Because right now, there is no place that's 100% safe. You can say Bitcoin. You can say Bitcoin's always going to go up. But it has wild it, it won't always go up either. You know, I don't think it'll always go up. But yeah, it has. It's, it's incredibly volatile. Go up. Yeah, people have said housing will always go up. Always, people. You know, you just said earlier that that some people have said stocks will always go up. It's 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 ridiculous to think that anything will always go up because anything could come crashing back down when the housing market crash. When, when realtors and real estate classes were teaching you that housing prices always go up, that's the safest thing you can invest your money in. And then the housing market came and took that all away, that crash. I mean, I worked through it as an adult. I traded through it. It was an awful time. You can't tell me that everything always goes up. No, you had the dot-com bubble, which was really, in my opinion influenced by the great maestro fed chair uh alan greenspan the maestro of the markets he pushed the dot-com bubble and then they went and replaced the dot-com bubble with the housing bubble and then it happened again and here we are still buying mortgage bonds still buying 80 billion dollars worth of treasuries and listen when jerome powell took over for uh when, when he was put in by donald trump and he came and he started to normalize rates. I thought, oh, great, man, this, this might actually be the next Paul Volcker. Which Paul Volcker, in my opinion, that it's the best thing that Jimmy Carter ever did was to put in Paul Volcker, a, a guy that said that we need to tackle inflation and then we'll go after unemployment. He's the one person in my mind that stood between us becoming the United States of Zimbabwe and the 80s boom that we had. Had he not tackled inflation and normalized rates, then it would have never happened. We we would have been standing in bread lines, probably paying out 50 bucks for a loaf of bread. Okay, I'm yeah, off target exactly. here. I, we're not. We're you probably are. not going to get there right now with Jerome you, Powell. You pulled up your but, soapbox and you stood up and you started going. But Powell is a wuss. He's caved in to political pressure now from two different presidents. And it uh, drives me insane. Bonds should not be dead, Dave. They should not be. And I will be very happy to see those interest rates grow go up. Even if it takes the stock market down in the short term 
then that'll be your chance to buy Apple. It'll be your chance to buy Google and Microsoft because Google, Microsoft, Facebook, those are the companies that are still going to survive despite a rate hike, which should happen. What about Amazon? Amazon will survive as well. And Alibaba. Even though Alibaba's in China stock, but they're still compared to U.S. bonds because they're traded here, but... <sighs> hey, listen, when, when rates start to normalize, there is an equation that you can use to value your stocks. You take the earnings per share, divide it by the current 10-year treasury rate, then you can subtract 20%. You'll have a nice price target for where you want to buy your favorite stock. But even right now, with this current economy, or this current environment that we're in right now, this formula is currently useless at the moment. But when rates start to normalize, when the Fed does start to raise them, and hopefully they do it soon, then you can use that and you'll have nice price targets. Did you all hear Brandon get positive for a moment? I did. Brandon, I mean, you just turned into an optimistic there for, for a quick second of when rates start to normalize. I hope so they don't like the one thing the one thing that I've been watching is to see if these treasury rates do start to go crazy and then they're just out of the Fed's control. It's obviously not happening right now because they're still super low. But I don't know. The future there's infinite possibilities for the future and like I said you shouldn't invest based on what you think might happen you should use your intuition and your knowledge of economics and all that stuff but there you go all right guys moving on moving on from uh reverend brandon um I'll, i will move into uh this next uh, section here i i got two things for you brandon. we're led by idiots dave <laughs> i got two things for you here you go you ready First thing I want to talk about right now, and it, it, it's a company, it's Peloton. I want to talk about Peloton. So let me let me rattle off some numbers here real quick so everybody here is on the same page as to uh, what's going on with Peloton, all right? Right, their, their earnings came out. They had some good numbers. Let me, let me go over a few of the numbers. Connected Fitness is, is a part of Peloton. That's the subscription-based part of Peloton. Okay, that's their... You pay this monthly fee to get the trainers and and all the routines and everything. The subscriptions increased 135 percent to 2.08 million, and uh, and that was at their that was their earnings, the bottom number. The top number revenue at CF or Connected to Fitness was 1.02 billion. Right. Here's the interesting fact: the overall revenue. Total, total top number for Peloton, $1.26 billion. And then they don't, they still ended up with a net loss of $0.03 cents per share or $8.6 million. My, so a couple questions here on this because i got a couple things to talk about with Peloton. First thing I want to talk about is it looks like almost 80% or more of their total revenue and profits all come in from the subscription-based business. Is that what it's looking like to you as well? Yeah. Is, is that a, a secure it's, model for a exercise company? I mean, I I would answer yes. I mean, you have gym memberships, right? Right. 
you you have you you have lots of other uh, Beachbody Beachbody everybody knows Beachbody they know that name they're a subscription based business it works for them so this should work right I mean, well do so do you have to have what it's a treadmill right is that what it is the Peloton no it's a bike okay Peloton's a, it's part off a bike they have treadmills and they have a few other things as well but. The bike's the main center focus. Do you have to have the bike to have the uh, to have the subscription? Is the question? No. Okay. So no. yes, it should work. I think. All right. So I mean, it, it, it should work. Now, should it, my next question is: Should it be valued at a as forty billion dollars according to their share price? Can you tell me the revenue one more time? Did you have that? Yes. Okay. For this last quarter, the overall top line number revenue one point six one point two six billion. And it's forty billion. Forty no, billion. Probably not. Based off that, that was based that was based off the hundred dollars a share price it was at earlier this week. And and they wound up with a loss, so uh, I don't like forty billion. Alright. Is that so, even after the is that even after this drop of them having to Recall? No, okay. No, let me give you some more numbers now. Let me give you some more numbers because you're you're clearly you're you don't know too much about Peloton. Let me go give you some I do more not. numbers. In 2019, their total revenue was 915 million. In 2020, their total revenue was 1.8 billion. So I mean, they're knocking it out of the park with this last quarter's. The the growth is astronomical here, right? Earlier this week, it was over 100 dollars a share. It sunk. On the treadmill recall. So a treadmill is a new part of their service. They start offering this treadmill instead of a bike where you get the treadmill with the TV and, and this whole setup and everything with it instead of the bike. Now, the reason why they really called it on this this treadmill here is because it was children being hurt. And the one death that was a result of the treadmill was a child. It was a minor. And that's why they went ahead and called it. It's interesting oh, to me. Now, okay. As we're talking, the headline that's just now coming across here is Peloton is revising the re their guidance going forward. So again, it, my point was going to be, I think it's overvalued. I think it's gone up too much. I think it's going to turn into like a beach body or, or one of these other uh, companies. And it's not going to be as relevant as it is right now. Because they just don't have, where else can they go with it? It's interesting to me that the stock dropped this week because I think the news of the potential recall has been out for a few weeks now. I mean, I don't, right? people and may. So, yeah, the stock, the stock as of 4.30 p.m. Eastern time was $79.37. And it was a little over 100 earlier this week. I'm surprised it's still that high. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying too. I mean, when you, when you have a, a child's death, when you have the this recall of your your second biggest product, you have two products. You have a bike and a treadmill. Your second biggest one's the treadmill, and you're recalling that. And so all that leaves you is the bike. I I'd be worried for the company, man, because you have competition coming from Tonal. That's T O N A L, and and Mirror. Everybody knows the Mirror because Athleta bought Lululemon bottom, and uh, you have those competitions out there. You have lots of people moving into the space. 
you have people who have already been in this space for a while who have a subscription model going and it's working for them. I think it's a crowded space. And when you have a big mess up like this on a big level, it's going to hurt you a lot more than it's hurting them right now. Yeah, that's, that's rough. I mean, yeah, I'm surprised it's still $70 a share. That's kind of mind-blowing. 79 79 Yeah. I mean, you've seen companies absolutely blow out their earnings uh, estimates this quarter and get barely any stock movement from it. Look at Amazon. Amazon's down from where it was in its last report. And yet this company is recalling one of its major, one of only its two major products, like 50% of their products are coming off the shelf and they've only dropped 30%. That's a 30% is a pretty big drop, but for this situation that, uh, that seems yeah. like it should go lower. Yeah, definitely. Especially if they haven't turned a profit yet well as we're as we're talking it's moving higher now <laughs> unbelievable it just goes to show you yeah it just goes to show you what's going on it's the revised guide probably some news inside of that that has changes but they need some revised guidance they need a different direction they need they need to have a clearer purpose in order to to give me a reason to get back in speaking and of especially that a little off subject but i'm getting really frustrated with all these companies not giving future guidance now. I mean, we're rebounding, we're reopening. Come on. I mean, Apple even didn't do it. Give us something to go yeah. off of. Then you know they have guidance internally, and you can't operate as a business if you don't have internal estimations. I don't know. That's just my thought on that. But it, it, yeah. for me, it makes you more trustworthy of a company if we're a stockholder if you give us guidance. But yeah. It, you can. Some people are going to say it's a loosening of it. It's now thirty percent of everybody's retail investors. They don't read the guidance anyways, and they're going to move the market, so they don't care. You just got to report the earnings nowadays, and you don't even have to bother with guidance. And I think that's ridiculous, because of all these retail investors, they're becoming more and more educated. They're not all just, you know, what they what they characterize them as as early twenties. People throwing money in there and trying to gamble and become a millionaire overnight. They're not all that way. There's a there's a lot of people who are actually just trying to use this as a second source of income and grow their retirement. And get, they're educated, they're reading, they're learning, they're they're trying to find the the best results, and they're looking at the guidance. And yeah, it should be part of it's, the, the. It's process. how I value it. I, I mean, I I value a stock. I mean, I'm looking at the past earnings per share too, but I look at the guidance because you're investing for the future, not for exactly. what already happened. And talking about one that ha has had a great run and may have a great future or may not, Roku. Roku is a big winner off their current earnings. So since we've been talking about earnings and how some have been off, some have been on, and some have been moving, not so much. Roku's actually moving in turn with its good earnings. So they have a great earnings forecast. Let me throw some more numbers at you here. I love throwing numbers at you, Brandon, because I know you don't look at these stocks the way I do. Um, so <laughs> I'm holding the numbers guy, though. But it's uh, all right. Here we go. Here's the numbers for Roku and their earnings report that came out today. Top line number was 76.3 million, or, or no, actually, uh, that's 76.3 million or 54 cents a share profit. That was bottom line. Sorry, bottom line number 76.3 million. Um, a year earlier, they did 54 million. Or 45 cents a share profit so moving up good direction there for bottom line number 
Top line number now. Top line number is 574 million, and that's up from 232 million uh, last year. My concern is they doubled their top line number. However, they only moved up 50% on their uh, bottom line. So they're eating up more costs. I would want to know where those costs are going. Where, what, what overhead, what kind of costs are they expanding? How are they expanding? They're a technology company. They don't need to have warehouses, distribution networks, offices. They're a technology company. You know, you, you don't need to expand too much. So where are you spending this money is what I would want to know. And that's why I would want to look more in depth on their, on their earnings here and see what's going on. I'd like to see them expand more into Asia. Um, but I would also like to, yeah, I would, I really, now that you said that, I want to listen to the, uh, to the earnings call and see how they explain that. Cause I really do like Roku as a company and I've been, you know, I really hope that at some point we get a dip in the NASDAQ and Roku goes down with it. Cause I'd love to own Roku. Um, I mean, they're the one, the, the, this completely Are they your white whale? Are they your white whale? <laughs> no, that's Tesla. But Roku, Roku's like the white, I don't know, dolphin maybe, uh, whatever. But I would love to own it. There, we got a streaming market right now that's becoming very, very crowded. And some of these cre- streaming companies are facing all kinds of competition that they've never faced before. But the one winner is clearly Roku. I've got Roku. I love Roku. I stream everything on it. My Hulu, my Netflix. Here's a question, because I have Roku as well, right? And I, I have my apps on Roku, and I stream through Roku, but I don't pay anything. HBO Plus. So the only thing you, the only, th- the only thing you would yeah. pay, if I'm not mistaken, is for the Roku channel. If you want the Roku channel, the movies they offer on there, and or if you're gonna go ahead and rent movies. Am I wrong? Am I right? What's going on? How does Roku make their money? Well, I would. That's a good question too. To maybe dive into the earnings report for. Uh, I would guess that they get a commission for it because I do pay for my HBO Plus and uh, Peacock Network and all that stuff that I have on um, on Roku. I mean, and then because they sell the players too, so they have the little Roku players that you buy that you hook up to your TV, yeah. and then now there's Roku TVs as well that people buy. Um, the The curious thing to me is that my Roku device is like I don't even know how many generations old. I've had it for like eight years now, and I still have the same software that everybody else has on it. I'm still getting 1080p high def, which I mean, it's not 4K, but it's good enough for me. So it is interesting to me. You can buy these things and hold them for years, and you don't have to upgrade on them. But, I mean, I would assume they're getting some sort of kickback from the companies that offer the subscription content on their app. It it would be the kickback from the subscription companies. It would also be their channel, and it would also be... The renting of the movies or renting of uh, shows on there. Having said that, though, our, our, the Roku TV I think was the best move Roku did. I have a Roku TV here. It's a it's a nice one. I like it. It works for me. It's brand new. I, I literally got it a couple months ago, and and it works well. And it has everything on there. I got one remote for everything. I love it. And I've got the Vi- what is the Viacom CBS streaming channel called? It's 
Don't draw the pee. It's driving me nuts. That doesn't sound interesting to me. <laughs> they, they, I, got, I got I got Hulu Live since we're talking about what we have. I, um, I got Hulu Live. Uh, and then, I love Hulu Live. I have it too. I, a, a family member of mine, they have uh, Netflix and Disney Plus, and they gave me their login and username, and so I, I have those as well. See, that's all I have. I wasn't going to spend my money on them, but they do, so might as well. That's all right. I give out my passwords too. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, that's all I got. I'm going to make one quick call, though. I, I do have to make this call. It's a definite buy for me, but not at its current price. I'm looking at Riot, R-I-O-T. I've day traded this time and time again. I go in, I go out, I go in, I go out, I go in, go out. I'm looking for an entry point right around 30 bucks a share. All right, that's that's where I'm looking for the, to, the, to get bounce off of. And then make a move up. I've got a call. Alibaba right now. <laughs> I mean, listen, if we get it, if we get another pulled it back in the market, it's probably going to come down a little bit with it too. But you're still fine right now with Alibaba. You're still good. Listen, they're not going to go out of business. The Communist Party in China, they're not going to they're not going to hurt Alibaba all that much. It's the goose that lays a golden egg. It's not going to happen. Alibaba and Tencent just signed a deal with the Chinese central bank to assist them in helping with the creation mm. of their new cryptocurrency, they're not going anywhere. And their, like, their revenue last year was over 80% of their current market cap, just last year's revenue. So it's a cheap stock. It, it is. I'm, I'm 100% agree with you. Buy Alibaba as well. All right, guys. It is May the 6th. 2021 we hope we've been entertaining educational uplifting because we want everyone to be money all right <laughs> have a good night have guys. a good night see you, see you.